set goals, have expectations. Everyone, they're crystal clear. Everyone knows what they are. And then you get out of their way and you let them do. And if they're not doing, then that becomes pretty abundantly clear um, at some point. And then you look at, okay, well, why aren't they becoming, you know, why aren't you hitting your metrics? What can we do to help you hit those metrics? What kind of support can I give you to help meet those metrics? And then sometimes there's just people that have great interviews and aren't, you know, don't do the work. Welcome to the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast. Whether you are a seasoned professional or a first-time fundraiser, we have the advice you need to take your next step toward major gift mastery. I'm your host, Tom Dauber, President of Abundant Vision Philanthropic Consulting. In our last episode, Jim Mahoney, Vice President of Advancement at Adrian College, shared with us about some of his career highlights, as well as some tips for how nonprofit executives can partner effectively with their Chief Development Officer. In our fourth and final segment with Jim, he's going to walk us through some helpful advice on being a manager in the fundraising world. So, so you've been both a frontline fundraiser, you still are, but also a manager of fundraisers. How did leading other fundraisers affect your understanding of the profession? Is there anything you've learned along the way that, that you wish you knew earlier in your career? Yeah, you know, I've had uh, a few different major gift officers work for me here at um, Adrian that, uh, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a good manager, quite honestly. Unfortunately, Tom, when I, when you worked with me at um, OSU, the College of Dentistry, I think I was still trying to figure out my own self there. But when I came to Adrian, and particularly when I was promoted to VP and I had a whole team reporting to me, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, the one thing that I've just really figured out is, you know, you, you can, you hire people who you know are going to be good members of your team. Yes. Who have potential. You can teach fundraising, but you can't teach really work ethic and, and um, things like that. So you hire those type of people, you help them get comfortable in, you know, in the skill set and either in the strategy, focus, discipline kind of areas of, of doing this type of work. And then you get out of their way and you let them, you let them go and do. And, you know, the thing that I, I figured out here at Adrian over the last 18 years is, um, you know, my door is always open unless I'm doing a podcast or, you know, talking on the phone or meeting. Right. Right. And so the team knows, like, if they have a question, if a question about a donor, if they have a question about whatever, they can come and talk to me and my door, I have an open door policy. And, you know, same thing for, for like kind of one-on-one -on -one meetings. I don't schedule one-on-one -on -one meetings with my team unless they want one-on-one -on -one meetings. Hmm. And so okay. now they all do, and that's fine. Um, but if they don't, then my thinking is, or if they cancel, which they're allowed to do, then I think to myself, okay, well, then they know what the expectations are. They know what the goals are, and they're just doing. Mm -hmm. and again, yeah. I'm going to get out of their way and I'm going to let them do. 
And I don't micromanage that part of it because, you know, I, I feel like that just, you know, if I'm always darkening a doorway or standing there like, okay, what are you doing? How are you spending your time? It just frazzles people to the point of, um, I don't know, you know, not, not being productive, I guess. Yeah. So I'd rather just, again, set goals, have expectations. Everyone, they're crystal clear. Everyone knows what they are. And then you get out of their way and you let them do. And if they're not doing, then that becomes pretty abundantly clear um, at some point. And then you look at, okay, well, why aren't they becoming, you know, why aren't you hitting your metrics? What can we do to help you hit those metrics? What kind of support can I give you to help meet those metrics? And then sometimes there's just people that have great interviews and aren't, you know, don't do the work. Well, right. (laughs) You know, right. and that's just life and, you know, whatever, you know, the Godfather line, it's, you know, it's not personal, it's business, you know? And so, you know, and sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it's not personal, It's but it's like, we've got a job to do here. And again, if the, as long as my team feels like the, the goals that we set and the expectations that we have are crystal clear and everyone's on board with them, mm-hmm. then get out of their way and let them, let them do. And, um, and I don't think I was quite there at the OSU college of dentistry with you and Rachel and others. Um, but I've kind of just figured that out along the line. And I think that's what kind of being a good manager is too, is, you know, you, you kind of, you learn from your mistakes, you learn from yeah those, you know, opportunities and challenges that you have. And then you, you're, you're kind of always evolving and I think, you know, like being flexible as far as how do you set up a, an appointment with a, a donor, prospect, constituent, alum, whomever. You right. also, as a manager, I need to be flexible because not every 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 colleague, every coworker might react differently to something else. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, you know, I, you didn't intend it this way, but you definitely got out of my way. Uh, because I in, I inherited, I think, you know, at least half of your portfolio and it, it worked out great. I mean, it wasn't for you. I don't think I would have moved into major gift fundraising in Northwest Ohio, you know, may, quite quite as quickly as I got to. So, so thank you. <laughs> My pleasure, Tom. <laughs> My goodness. I appreciate each and every one of you who listen to this podcast. Thank you for taking 20 minutes plus or minus out of your week to join me on the journey toward major gift mastery. We do this podcast each week to help fundraisers who may not have easy access to the stories and advice of other fundraisers, and even for nonprofit leaders who are struggling to learn about how to manage a fundraising process that they may know very little about. The best way to help more people benefit from this resource is for you to review this podcast and even share it on social media. So if you like this podcast, and feel as if it's been of help to you, please take a few minutes to give it five stars on your podcast provider and share the link on your social media streams. This will help ensure that the people who need to hear this advice are more likely to find it. What would you say to established major gift officers, maybe mid-career folks looking to make that move? What should their focus be? Well, first I would say like, be ready because you're about to be in a whole bunch of more meetings than you've ever been part of before. Isn't that the truth? And so, 
you know, you know, that, that was kind of the big shocker for me, even though I kind of saw it with the, the vice president when I was uh, the director, but until you live it and you really see how your calendar shapes up, I mean, there, there's a whole day a week that is just wrapped up in college senior team or other management team meetings um, that I have. And, and you can get really bogged down on that. And especially the more success you have and the more trusted you become as a colleague, the more people want you to be, colleagues want you to be part of other meetings. And it can be really easy to just say yes and be part of a bunch of things. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm a fundraiser. I'm a frontline fundraiser still. And That's I got to get out and, you know, raise some money. And so, you know, be that trusted colleague, be that, you know, be that um, trusted peer, but really be focused on your portfolio, really be focused on advancing that portfolio. Be strategic with your time, you know, as far as, okay, well, you know, again, for me, I know Tuesdays are a really meeting heavy day for me. So the odds that I'm going to really get out and see someone on a Tuesday are probably slim to none. So, you know, my Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays tend to be more um, heavily development trips than Mondays, Tuesdays. But that's just for me. And so, you know, be disciplined on your calendar. Hold time that you want to be held for for um, development type of operations. And that could be stewardship plans, thank you notes, you know, if you're writing your own proposals, if it's, you know, if you're a grant writer too, you know, spending time to like researching and writing grants, you know, really just be disciplined in your approach during that week, um, during a week and, and hold time for yourself. And, and if you, if you're, if you're planning out good and you get yourself a little bit extra time here or there, more power to you, but you know, really, really just hold yourself accountable for what, you know, your week is going to be like. Yeah, I think I think that accountability, um, writing your goals down and really tracking how you're making progress is is a key part of success, Jim. I Absolutely. Can more. In fact, I, you know, one of my big things is whiteboards. I, yeah. I have to have whiteboards, right? And uh, and I think that might have been something I learned at, at the dental school, really, was because to your point, there's always something that could distract you. Always, you know, and there there come these lulls in your day when you're thinking, "Oh, what should I be doing right now?" And if if I can keep my my goal setting asks or or the biggest most important things I have to do for the year up on the wall somewhere, even if it's in code, because you don't you don't want to put a donor's name on your on your whiteboard, right? It, it reminds me in that moment, oh, oh, I, I should write a note or, oh, I should, you know, do something to help move that thing forward. Uh, but that's how I've always kept myself accountable. Yeah. And, and again, going back to what I said before, not being a, a super Google Drive person or whatever. I mean, um, I mean, I've got sticky notes all over the place in my office, but they strategically remind me of certain things that I need to do or keep at top of mind. And so it works for me. It might yes. not work for everybody else, but you have to, you have to, you know, do what's going to work for you in, in this kind of crazy world that we live in. 
just to go back one more one thing too that Please. I would say if, if that's all right, you know, about yeah. new professionals in, in this or you know, the, the thing I think is really important, it's it's easier said than done, is don't don't take a no personally. Mm. And and don't don't you know, when you make an ask and as and as long as you're putting out an ask that is both meaningful and significant for that person, you know, and if they say no, no doesn't mean, you know, they don't like Tom Dauber or Jim Mahoney or whomever. There's got to be so many rights that happen for us to get to that yes. Yeah. And and I think we can be dissuaded or kind of um, bummed out or whatever if, you know, you get a bunch of no's. And, and that's okay. I mean, no could lead to yes, for sure. And, that's right. And, you know, unless they totally close the door on you. And if that's the case, then you probably did your cultivation and your research on this person, maybe not as well as we probably should have. But if you get to that ask and, and they're just like, no, nah, I just can't do that right now. That's OK. You know, you, you regroup, you, you, you keep them as part of your um, portfolio, provided that they're still, you know, want to be there. But you know, you, you re you refocus what that ask could be. So just don't, just don't take it personal. Well, especially in higher ed. I mean, those can be very long-term institutional relationships. I think of a relationship you had that I, and I, I didn't inherit it directly because there was a feeling that, that this, uh, doctor would, you know, maybe have a big estate gift for the college and so it went from you and it, it went to your successor, Colleen Garland. And, and Colleen worked at it for a while, a number mm-hmm. of years. And then I think finally she decided, hey, I got other, other fish to fry. Don't have time to wait on this. And, and so I was a steward of that relationship for probably two to three years. Mm-hmm. And in that second year, this particular dentist um, had a health issue that really woke them up to the fact that, hey, I better, I better do some things while I have time left. And, and we got a wonderful gift out of it. You know, and it, it wasn't because I was a better fundraiser than, than you or Colleen. It was really just the donor had to go through some things to get to the point where they were ready to make that gift. Yeah. And so, I mean, it really, you're right. It really isn't uh, an issue of, ooh, I did the right thing or the wrong thing half the time. It's really just staying with that donor as they develop psychologically. You know, I think I've got an uncle that that went through that process, and he's he's on a foundation board at a at a at a pretty large public university now, and it, he always had the ability to give generously. You know, and but it wasn't until he started started to see what his peers were doing, he kind of developed psychologically, like oh. Oh, I can I can give like that, and so, you know, when you when you steward that relationship and you keep them engaged and and let them see, you know, what what's normative giving at your institution, yeah. Sometimes I mean, if they're philanthropically minded, they can really come around. Well, Jim, you have been so generous with your time with us today. I'm so grateful, not just for hiring me in at OSU, but for being willing to be a a guest on my podcast. Thanks so much, and 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 I hope things continue to go well for you up there at Adrian. Well, thanks, Tom. I think um, I appreciate you reaching out to me. I appreciate our friendship, and uh, you know, for a long time now. And you know, I think 
these podcasts, this this type of work that you're doing is very beneficial for uh, people like us in this field. And I think it's always great for us to stay interconnected. And if if what I said today and if what you're saying in your conversation you're having helps one other individual or a, a you know a fundraiser at a nonprofit, big institution, doesn't matter. You know, I, I hope they they can find one little nugget that helps them. So oh, I appreciate I'm, appreciate I'm, it. I'm sure they will. Hey, thank you, Jim. Have a great day, Tom. Thanks so much. Yep. As always, I'm your host, Tom Dobber. Thank you for joining me as we journey together toward major gift mastery on the Abundant Vision Fundraising Podcast.